Romans 5, verse 2 is our portion this evening. I'll read the first uh, two verses to grab just a little bit more context. Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, these are the words of God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So far the reading of God's word, we come now to worship him uh, in hearing it preached. We're still uh, at the beginning of Romans 5, we're taking a little while here. Uh, this is a significant transition in, uh, in the book of Romans and the Apostles' letter uh, to the Romans from the, first, uh, from the middle of chapter 1 until the end of chapter 4. He's been opening up for us justification uh, by uh, faith alone, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, alone. Uh, the, the whole book is a proclamation of the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation, first for the Jew and then for the Greek. And in it, uh, God saves us by his power in which he gives us a righteousness that is counted for us uh, through faith, but also then works righteousness out in us as a gift to that same faith by which he justified us. Uh, and so we have that first part, that righteousness uh, from faith for faith, is how uh, very literally verse 17 of chapter 1 said it, uh, that righteousness that is from faith, that righteousness uh, that is accounted to us through faith in Jesus Christ, uh, has really been the subject of then from verse 18 of chapter 1 through the end of chapter 4. Uh, and now in chapters 5 through 8, there is the difference that that justifying faith makes in the life of a believer, in the living uh, of the believer, uh, that righteousness that is for faith. Uh, and then when he concludes in chapter 8 uh, with uh, the certainty of, uh, of the glorification of the believer, that this difference is not just one that we have now and that we have progressively, but one that we will have perfectly, uh, it uh, is almost necessary at that point, or at least uh, he uh, moves from eight, uh, from uh, chapters 5 through 8 into chapters 9 through 11, uh, that the difference, not now that justification by faith makes in the life of a believer, but the difference that it makes in the life of Israel uh, as a nation uh, and Israelites who are going to be saved or are, have been and are being saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Because if uh, if the calling of God and uh, the salvation of God is something that cannot be lost and must be perfected, what then of Israel? Uh, and a big part of the answer ends up being, not all Israel is Israel, uh, but the Israel that is Israel, uh, as it were, uh, must certainly have all of the blessings. Uh, that has been announced in the gospel from chapter 1, verse 18, through the end uh, of chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 
39. And so we're taking a while here at the beginning uh, of Romans chapter 5 uh, as he transitions from uh, the, uh, the justification that we have by faith as being made right before God, being declared righteous by God through faith in Jesus Christ and the difference that it makes in the life of a believer. And we've heard so far that it brings us into a condition of peace with God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And that because that peace with God must come, can come only by a propitiation, a turning away and consuming of the wrath of God that is as great as the glory of God. Because the wrath of God was revealed against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppressed the truth about God's glory and our unrighteousness. It was falling short. It was the knowledge of and response to the glory of God from which we had fallen short. Uh, and so uh, in order for us to have peace with God, there had to be a propitiation uh, of the wrath of God that is as great as God's glory. Uh, and so, of course, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who is as great as God's glory, for he is God. Uh, and this peace that we have with God can come only through him. Uh, and we considered then this peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and uh, if you have peace with God, then you are a slave and a subject, because the only Jesus through whom you may have peace with God is the propitiating Jesus, is the one who is Lord. He is Yahweh, our master, and he is Christ. He is the anointed king of whom we are subjects. Uh, so we're justified into a condition not only of peace, but also of servitude. And that brings us to verse 2, in which we find three more things about this condition into which being justified through faith in Jesus Christ has brought us, and that it is in a condition of strength, a condition of joy, and a condition of hope. Uh, these are wonderful things. We often uh, are looking to God and desiring strength and joy and hope. Even the unbeliever uh, who does not know God uh, desires something analogous to uh, strength and joy uh, and uh, and hope. Uh, but as it were, these are things that we have in Jesus Christ himself. They are side benefits uh, to having the Lord Jesus Christ as the one in whom we have peace with God, the one who has propitiated the wrath of God for us. So as we hear tonight about the greatness of this strength and the greatness of this joy and the greatness of this hope, let us remember then uh, the uh, the unimaginable and infinite greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ, that these are, as it were, side benefits. They are, uh, they are corollaries too. They, uh, they are accessories that come along with uh, union with our Lord Jesus Christ that we have by faith in him. So therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Uh, so we need to stand and we need strength to stand. Uh, the, uh, much of the Christian life is 
uh, a standing, a holding of the line against the onslaught of an enemy, and really the onslaught of three enemies. Uh, one of the enemies, the enemy that uh, that takes center stage for much of this section of the uh, of the letter, uh, is the enemy of our remaining sin, uh, that sin that uh, so many Christians still treat as if it was our master, and we mustn't because we have a new master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we go on sinning as if it were our master, it, it is almost as if it were our master. And then uh, how is one to know that he has a new master if he's living uh, still as a slave of sin? And chapter 6 and verse 7, the reality of the onslaught nature, the continual uh, war that sin still wages against us, that our flesh uh, and our remaining fleshliness still wages against us. Uh, and then uh, the way that we wage that war in the first half of Romans 8 and uh, the certainty that we will win that war uh, in the second half of Romans 8. And so there's a great need to stand. Uh, but we do have other enemies. Uh, and they are briefly mentioned at the end of Romans 8 uh, uh, or referred to or implied. And that is the, the world and the devil. Usually when you hear this, you hear it in the words of the Apostle John and the enemies of a Christian being the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, and they are making continual onslaught. And uh, one of the uh, clearest places to see this is in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 where the world is described as still being in darkness since they are without Christ and the believer is described as light and the necessity of our being light uh, over against the world around us. Uh, but then uh, where he concludes discussing how we are light in the congregation and how we are light in our marriages and how we are light with our parents or with our children and how we are light, uh, we are to be light in the workplace, uh, he, he then turns, and he doesn't turn then to the battle with the world, does he, which is darkness, uh, but he turns uh, to the battle with the devil. Uh, and a uh, very famous passage, very well-known uh, passage in, uh, in Ephesians 6, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, and then verse 14, stand therefore. So there's those four stands. Uh, first in verse 11, stand against the wiles of the devil. And then in verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. And then fourthly in verse 14, stand therefore. Uh, and uh, and so forth. So when he tells us uh, that through Jesus Christ also, we have access by faith into this grace in which, he, in which we stand, he's using a, um, uh, he's making use of uh, the word grace 
in a very important way. Uh, notice the way he had introduced that in verse 10 of Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see, uh, Jesus is our all-access pass to grace. Uh, he is the one uh, in whom we are able to come to the throne of grace. He's the great high priest who sympathizes with us and he is working in us by his word uh, and the, the place from which he works by his spirit in us is the throne of glory where he has gone, having passed through the heavens, being our anchor, being our forerunner, being our guarantee. Uh, and so we come to the throne. We come to him who sits upon uh, enthroned above the cherubim uh, as uh, Psalm 99 rejoices in the one who sits above uh, the cherubim. But in Psalm 99, it's the whole earth rejoicing. It's all the peoples rejoicing. Uh, it's not talking about uh, uh, golden figures in a tabernacle or a temple uh, on earth. It's talking about actual cherubim and Jesus to whom we are united by faith as Christians, not just in his divinity is enthroned above the cherubim, but in his humanity, he sits upon the throne. The lamb sits upon the throne and therefore it is for us a throne of grace when we come to the Lamb who is our life to plead with him, to ask for more of his benefits, to ask him to keep working uh, in us and applying to us by his spirit all that he is for us. We have one place to find him. For the Lamb, being the God-man, is located physically in a place and it is on the throne of glory. And therefore, it is for us a throne, as Hebrews uh, 4.16 says, of grace. And we have to come to him because we have nowhere else to get the life by which we live. The, the, the living, according to our own strength, is over. Uh, the version of us that, uh, that uh, died on the cross with Jesus Christ is the version that lived by uh, its own strength. I have been crucified, for, uh, sorry, uh, start in verse 19 of Galatians 2, for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, not only in my justification now, but now in my sanctification. So the, in Galatians 2.20, we come from that uh, that Romans 1 through 4 into that Romans 5 through 8. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside, and here's the word again, the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So both the righteousness that is counted for us in our justification uh, is through faith in Jesus Christ. And even as we live, even as we walk, even as we grow, even as we put sin to death, even as, uh, as we uh, uh, grow in grace and put on uh, 
uh, all of the godliness that is necessary, the holiness that is necessary for when we see the Lord, uh, that also is through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, it's not uh, without effort, uh, but it is by grace alone, from Christ alone, that the effort uh, comes. Uh, And then, of course, uh, maybe the most uh, famous example, or at least the one we refer to, most frequently when we're thinking about grace being strength for us who have only weakness in ourselves. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly will I, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so uh, through him also we have access by faith into a grace in which we stand, that being strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And this access is by faith. We didn't suddenly become super strong in ourselves. Uh, We are like the eagle chick uh, that is helpless, cannot fly, cannot even feed itself, has to have uh, mama or daddy drop the food into its mouth, and yet it is unassailably strong. Why? because it rests in the eagle's nest. That upon which it rests is high and unassailable by any enemy. And so even in the midst of the greatness of its weakness, it is unassailably strong. And so we have come to rest upon Jesus Christ by faith in our justification. And we are, as it were, brand new babies in grace, and unable to do anything, but we have been brought into a condition of unassailable strength because him upon whom we rest is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a strength that is by faith. We've been brought in the second place then into a condition of joy. And that was exactly where he went, wasn't it? In Second Corinthians 12, verse 10, boasting in his infirmities, rejoicing in uh, his uh, in his weakness and all those things that uh, uh, that show weakness. Uh, and the word boasting is a word that is often uh, translated and, and not inaccurately, often accurately translated uh, as rejoicing or being full of uh, uh, joy over something. Uh, and uh, So the strength that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ is closely connected to this rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. Indeed, the rejoicing that we're going to hear about next uh, next week, Lord sparing uh, us, Lord willing, in verses three through five and all of those tribulations. Uh, Because as we come through tribulation, we are coming by the strength of Jesus Christ. And so we are coming to the purpose Uh, for which Jesus Christ has saved us. Um, And 
that uh, means that we are brought into a condition of joy. Uh, we have access through him also. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice, which is to say we are happy slaves. Uh, we need to continue uh, reconciling ourselves, coming to terms with ha- uh, being ha- happy to come to terms with the fact that we are servants, that we are slaves, that we are subjects. Because in reality, there is only one ultimately who is free. And that is the Lord himself. Everyone else is a subject. And either we are a subject of him, a slave of him, or we are a slave of sin. The devil is in bondage to his nature. All of the angels that sinned and fell are in bondage to their nature. Every human who sinned in Adam, and that is all of us, uh, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, is in bondage to his nature, except that for some of those who sinned in Adam and fell with him and in him, God has done something that he has not even done for the angels. He doesn't give help to angels. He gives help to sinful humans, the children of Abraham, by faith. And therefore, there are, uh, there are those who come from slavery, into, slavery to sin to slavery to God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so we are happy slaves. It is necessary uh, that a believer come into a condition of joy Uh, In the first place, it's a result of a right attitude towards sin. If sin is your grief, then your new standing, which is righteous before God, and your new master, which is not sin, sin is no longer uh, master over you. The law demanded that it would be. It's what we deserved in Adam. But the law's penalty has been kept in the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you have believed in him, you died with him at his cross. And the law was satisfied. And now you are under grace. The grace in which you stand. And so it is a result of a right attitude towards our sin. If sin is our grief, if we hate it, then our righteous standing and our growth in holiness, our sanctification, uh, give us joy. We have uh, in the Lord Jesus not, not only strength in which to stand, but joy. It is also, joy is also a result of a right attitude towards Christ. One of the, one of the things that believers often struggle with is the greatness of our remaining sin and that onslaught against us causes us much grief. And so we have to, uh, we have to come to a conclusion that Jesus is greater than my remaining sin. That the, uh, the cry that we make when we consider ourselves and the sinning that we keep on doing, who will save me from the body of this death, has an answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And now I ask you, dear Christian, which is greater, the ongoing onslaught of your sin against you that grieves you so much, or the certainty that Christ 
who has brought you into a righteous standing through faith and given you a new nature so that the law is not now in the hands of sin and death, but is the, law, the law is now in the hands of the spirit of life and is for you what the Holy Spirit is using to direct you as he leads you and by Christ's spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. Which is greater, the apparent and felt certainty that when you want to do good, evil is right there with you, or that those whom he justified, he also glorified. Because it began with him knowing you ahead of time and determining that he would conform you to his son. And so a right attitude towards Christ doesn't just recognize who he is, what he's like, what he's doing. It also says, this is the greater reality of my life than the misery that I experience in my ongoing battle with sin. And so we are brought into a condition of joy. It is, of course, a result of being made like Christ, from Christ by his Spirit. He gives us his Spirit to make us like himself. And what is he like? Well, you know what Jesus is like if you list the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus is full of love. Jesus is full of joy. In fact, at one point he says uh, that he has spoken to the disciples that his joy might be in them. And when he's praying that prayer that we referenced earlier in John 17, he prays that his joy might be in us. And since it is to Christ that we are being conformed, and since Christ is perfectly and fully joyful, his spirit makes believers increasingly loving, increasingly joyful, increasingly full of that peace that we have with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We must hurry on. In the last place, this joy, since it is Jesus' joy, is especially a joy in the hope of the glory of God. Now, we live in a culture uh, among the people in which there is precious little actual hope. So we have come to misuse this word. Uh, we, have we have come to use the word hope to mean something uh, that we really wish could be true. And maybe there is a hope. Maybe uh, there is some small possibility. That is not what the New Testament word that is translated hope means. It is an absolute certainty of something ahead of time. It is a cousin of faith. Faith is, uh, is evidence and certainty of things not yet and things not seen. Hope is being able to respond already to the reality of those things because faith is already certain of them. And so we rejoice in the hope. And what hope is that? of the glory of God. Why is it the glory of God, children, that we rejoice over if we are being made like Jesus? Why aren't we rejoicing in the hope that we will have abundant riches? Why isn't it even here that we're rejoicing in the hope that we'll inherit the earth? 
Why isn't it that we're rejoicing in the hope that we will at last be victorious? All of those things are true. And all of those things uh, are, are things that we have Bible hope for. And yet the greatest, and it's right to rejoice over those things, by the way, but the great thing over which we rejoice is the glory of God because, as most of you answered when I asked the question, that is the great joy of the Lord Jesus. So if we are receiving the joy of the Lord Jesus, then the thing that we rejoice over, the great thing, over which we rejoice, among all of our other joys, is the glory of God. Isn't that what the Lord was praying for? That we would be with him where he is, to see his glory because he was loved by the Father from before the world began. That the triune glory of God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Spirit, living in perfect appreciation and adoration and love and fellowship in himself from all eternity, that we would be there to see that and then to participate in that, that we would be one with him and one with God as the Father is one with the Son. That sounds like heresy, but there are more than one kind of oneness, more than one kind of unity. And the unity that we have with God is not a unity of substance. That's not the only unity that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have, is it? They have a unity of fellowship and like-mindedness and delight and adoration. And we will be brought into such a fellowship. We will adore the glory of God just as God himself adores the glory of God within himself. And this is our sure hope. This is what we are certain to have. This is the absolutely sure and certain ending of a Christian, except that it's never ending. And so, into what condition does being justified by faith in Jesus Christ bring us? Well, tonight in verse 2 of chapter 5, it brings us into a condition of almighty strength, a condition of literally divine joy, and a condition of absolutely certain hope that by that almighty strength we will be brought into that divine joy. You see, justification does not leave a man the way that he was because it is through faith in Jesus Christ and Christ does not leave a man the way that he was. He makes us more and more strong by his grace as he grows our faith. He makes us more and more joyful as he conforms us to his image. And he makes that joy to be more and more like his own joy, a rejoicing over the glory of God of which we can be absolutely certain if we have Jesus Christ. Praise be to God.